Hello and welcome to the ETOP21 Sports Show for December 12th. How is everyone doing? My name is Eric. I'm the man behind ETOP21 Sports. We have an absolute phenomenal show lined up for you today. I'm really excited to have this week's guest on O'Kane. You know him from the Lock Talk podcast, which comes out every single Tuesday. If you're not listening to that, you are really missing out. Drop some great knowledge. Really looking forward to picking his brain. Also, um, it looks like my internet's freezing a little bit. Um, sorry about that, guys. We are will have our horse racing by the day from Gino. But as always, the ETOF 21 Sports Show is sponsored by Thrive Fantasy. If you're not using Thrive, go to the App Store, download the Thrive app, use promo code ETOFT21 for a 100% deposit match. Now let's see what Gino has a cooking for us over at Woodbine on Thursday. It's actually closing week coming up this week at Woodbine. So just four more days of racing that remain. Hope all of you are having a nice week so far. Make sure to tune in every single week here on Eric's show for the best information you're going to get in all of sports. My best bet for this week will come on Thursday at Woodbine in race number five. We're going to look at the number seven in here, Silent Patsy. Now, this filly has raced three times. Two times her first two starts were against better. Most recently, November 30th, she dropped down in class a little bit to this level, the maiden $15,000 level. I thought she ran really well. She had a good start. She was in between horses. She got stuck down inside and she got shuffled back. She lost about a length of positioning, but she came on again. She got pushed back again. Um, she was up the rail and she came to challenge. She was just a little bit flat once she angled off the inside and she just missed second. I thought it was a really good effort from her. That was going seven furlongs. Now she cuts back to six. She proved that she fits at the level. I think she has enough tactical speed to stay close in here, and she should have more late punch at six furlongs. Uh, to me, the value line is about five to one. If she's five to one or over, I think that's fair for a win wager on the number seven, Silent Patsy in race number five at Woodbine. We'll be back here each and every week with our best bets in racing, and make sure to tune in for all the greatest information that you'll find in sports from Eric. Have a great week, everyone. Make sure to give my boy Gino a follow at It's Me, Gino B on X. I am on his podcast every single Friday, breaking down the NFL slate. Soon to be breaking down some college basketball. Really looking forward to that. Now let's bring this week's guest on. Really looking forward to picking his brain. The host of the Lock Talk podcast, O'Kane. O'Kane, how are you doing today, my man? What's up? Dude, so um, obviously NFL is here. I'm a big NFL guy. You're a big NFL guy. We have a big comment coming out right off the gate. Our boy Bobby chimes in. I want to hear your guys' takes on Mahomes after the game. For those who don't know, after the game, Allen comes up to him. Mahomes says, worst call he's ever seen in his life. Interesting. What do you think, my friend? Uh, it was a, it's a really bad look for a guy that doesn't really have a lot of bad looks in his career. And that's, it's a lot of in the moment and you just can't say it. You can't get caught in the hot mic saying it. You, you can say it, you know, if you're texting them after the game, which I'm sure those guys text back and forth, you can say that then, but you just got to give the guys props. I mean, you can't devalue what Josh Allen just did. I mean, that's that's kind of what it did or what it at least came off as uh, for a guy that's usually pretty classy. Obviously, he talks a lot of shit, but uh, I don't think he was doing it from a standpoint of that, trying to take away from Josh. Obviously, very frustrated, but it was also the right call. Obviously, the right call. Agree 100 percent. And people need to remember that the Chiefs had two plays after that call where they did nothing. And then he threw his tantrum on the sideline and the tantrum it kind of reminded to me is I work with kids is a kid that is wrong is knows he has no other chance. You know what I mean? It kind of was like a kiddish type tantrum. I think it was a really low ball effort. What he said, you know, Allen, great game. Mahomes, you know, said what he said. I thought it was low ball. I definitely look at him a little bit differently now. Um, C Spear 22 chimes in Flacco better than Pickett. I think I saw something on X where, where Flacco has more TDs than Kenny Pickett does. 
Uh, I, I have a good friend of mine that's a Steelers fan, and I have to deal with, and I love Sam, but I have to deal with the Kenny Pickett talk. Uh, and I was on the wrong side of Joe Flacco last week. I was on the wrong side of Joe Flacco and Zach Wilson. Both of them hung 300 yards passing on me uh, as I watched in disbelief. But, I mean, right now, what has Joe Flacco showed you that he can't play? Uh, it's I'm going to talk about the AFC wildcard picture in a while and where these teams kind of stand. But I sure as hell feel a lot more comfortable with Cleveland than I do with Pittsburgh right now. Uh, even obviously it's not Kenny out there, but uh, yeah, Flacco is pretty great to have him back. And on this show, we've talked about coaching a lot and how Skavansky doesn't get his, his flowers, so to speak. Um, you look at what Flacco was with the Jets. He looked washed up awful. Now he comes in, he looked good for three quarters against the Rams. And he looked good for a full game against the Jaguars. And I think they're going to roll with him the rest of the year. And it's going to be really interesting if the Browns go to Cleveland. No, sorry, if the Browns go to Baltimore in the playoffs and they have to play. Flacco has a live arm, and it kind of makes you think, because I'm I'm heavy in Browns futures, what this team could have been if Conklin, Wirfs, Watson, Chubb, all those guys didn't get hurt. Um so I hate the Lakers. Him and Gino always go back and forth because Gino is a big Lakers fan. Is Gino celebrating the season, the in-season championship because the Lakers aren't winning the ship this season? I'll make sure. I'll make sure to let Gino know you said that. Uh, Sea Spirit twenty two. Bears win out and make the playoffs. Jesus Christ, that would. Uh, I would have to delete some tweets. <laughs> <laughs> And our boy Sports Facts chimes in. How how the hell did the kid from Pine Bluff miss a three throw? He was like, yes. So I gave out Pine Bluff plus the 19 and a half against uh, South Florida, obviously fading South Florida after that big win over Florida State. 86.3% three throw shooter drives, gets fouled, misses the front end of the one-on-one. They lose by 18, not the 17 and a half. It's always fun. Yeah. Than I, college. I got it. Oh. They're, they're just kids. That's why. <laughs> they're just kids. That's that's why he missed it, man. These, these college kids betting on teenagers. There's there's nothing more of a wild ride than betting on some teenagers. Oh, my God. Throw a line when it, oh, when it something. I love it. Um, thoughts on Tyreek. Um, I have my I have my two cents in the Dolphins moving forward with no Tyreek Hill. We don't know what's going to happen because of that injury. What do you think about that? Well, you see an obvious difference uh, for an offense that can be at its peak, 70 points in a game, uh, at its valley, get held up to nothing. The run game, obviously, is going to be a big part of it. Now, when you lose Tyreek and Waddle step in, he's never going to be Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill is the offensive player of the year this year. In my mind, there's no doubt there's a chance that I think he should have been in the running for MVP versus some of the quarterbacks that we've seen in it. Uh, yeah, to me, it derails a AFC East championship and opens up a huge door for the Buffalo Bills uh, to come and compete for that spot. I agree 100%. I'm not a Tua guy. I've been anti-Tua since his Alabama days. Um, and you hit the nail on the head. Offense is pedestrian without him, and it puts too much on Tua. And I think, you know, our boy Sports Facts – this just shows me how Hill is the best wide receiver in the league. What he's able, what he's able to do. Because before he got there, we need to remember they're talking about moving Tua. They're talking about getting Tua out of there. He came here, and then everything just kind of elevated up. Um, guys, chat room is open. You got any betting questions, fantasy football questions? Fire Matt on Okina and I will answer them to the best of our abilities. We've reached the part of the show where we're going to be talking our takeaways from week 14. Okay. And you're the guest. I will let you kick off my friend. Yeah. <clears throat> my first one, uh, maybe a hot take uh, because they didn't win, but I think the Rams could be the fourth best team in the NFC. The way that things are shaking out, they finished the year commanders saints at home at New York and at San Francisco where San Francisco could already have the one seed tied up. They may not be playing anybody in that game. 
The offense is explosive again. We've seen three straight weeks of 30-plus. Previous to last game, they had three straight games where the defense held teams to under third or under 20. So I think the Rams are, are really playing well. They're likely the sixth seed uh, just because, obviously, there's nobody that's going to chase down the second team in the NFC East right now. And uh, I don't – there's obviously no way that they're going to win the NFC West. So – yeah, the Rams, I think, coming out of this weekend, watching what they did, being able to hang with Baltimore. Uh, and I'll talk about the Rams a little bit later, but uh, but I do th- I like what's going on in Los Angeles. They seem to have found their, found their rhythm again. I mean, when you just kind of look back at it, you got Matt Stafford. I'm a Lions fan, rocking my sure. Lions cap. Grew up in Michigan. You know, watching him. He was in my division, man. You know, he's he's a hell of a guy. You have a what a Super Bowl out there. You got McVay, who's one of the better coaches in the league. You got Kyron Williams, who looks electric. Didn't you have, even mention him. Yeah, he's Kyron Williams is next level. And then you got Puka. If you double um cup, I mean this offense is flying. And I think you hit the nail on the head. You have just have to play who's in front of you with that schedule. They should be able to make make the playoffs. And when you have Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup. And Puka and Williams and Stafford and McVay, you're a team that could be dangerous and make a run. Um, yeah, clicked on the wrong one. Sorry, Lions suck. Bears winning the North. Spear, ha ha ha. Uh, cool, Kev. Thanks for tuning in, my friend, dude. Uh, my first takeaway has to do with C Spear 22's Chicago Bears. Bears are in a great position but they literally have no clue what they're going to do. Let's take a look back. They have the top pick in the draft from the um, Carolina Panthers. Another pick probably will be in the top eight. Making the wrong move here can set this franchise back five to 10 years. Decision one, what do you do at the quarterback position? Do you keep fields? I make a, I made a list and maybe it's because my big 10 bias. I have 19 teams that would take Justin field over what teams. they over what they currently have. Sure. Um, so if you do elect to draft the quarterback, you have options where you can trade them, trade fields, and get more, more assets and build. Do you take Williams? And personally, I'm going on record. I think Caleb Williams is going to be a bust. And then you take the old lineman because if you don't take Harrison with the top pick, I think their draft pick is going to be so far down, you're going to miss out on him. Right. Or... Do you take Harrison with a top pick? Seven or eight. May from North Carolina should be there. I think May is going to be the top um, top QB in the class. You could go that route. Personally, what I would do, I would draft Marvin Harrison Jr., pair him with DJ Moore. Agreed. Keep Justin Fields, get the O-lineman from Penn State. Because at the end of the day, we're just kind of guessing what these guys are going to be. We're watching the tape from college, but we really don't know if they're going to transcend to that next level, what they're going to do when they get paid to play football, when they're out on their own, when they don't have as much structure in their life as they normally do with Fields. I think Fields is the 11th best quarterback in the NFL. I know what I have with him. Also, for those listening, a little birdie told me, and I have my little birdies, man. I like. I'm lucky enough. I'm... I work to build my little network that's not Ben Johnson that they're targeting in Chicago. It's Eric B So I think, I think Chicago is in a great thing, get the enemy and then just kind of figure out what to do with the draft. But I don't know. I think they're in a great position for this off season, but I literally have no clue what they're going to do. Yeah, man. Chicago has got a very, obviously very unique situation. You thought for a long time there, you might end up one, two now, you're winning games maybe at your own detriment uh, and you look at their schedule going forward, it's Browns, Cardinals, Falcons, Packers. If you win two of those games and you end up, you know, what does that put you? That puts you at seven wins. Seven wins probably puts you, like you said, eight. Uh, I'm not as high on Drake May. I don't think this quarterback class is anything where anybody needs to get worked up over. I think if one of them falls into your lap, that's terrific. I don't even. I'm not even convinced that Williams is going to come out at this point. I think he really could benefit from another year in college, and he's going to make the bag in college anyways. If Marvin Harrison doesn't come out, and that whole he's getting NIL money that's close to first round money, that's 
that's neither here nor there. I mean, it, that's obviously up to the kid, but I do think he's really good. And obviously there's that, I forget his name, the other receiver out of LSU that's supposedly uh, just as good. Uh, but we'll see. The Bears, it's a make-or-break offseason, but it feels like it's been a make-or-break offseason for the last three years. So, And I'm sitting on, I think, a May 15-1 to 1 to be the top pick. Because nice. I, I, Williams makes $12 million a year. Think That's about that. Money. That's a lot of money. But I mean, like, okay, so you're a young guy, okay? Let's yeah. say you're a senior at USC, California, all the California stuff going on out there. You're the king of the school. Would you want to go one more year doing that college life? Or would you want to go to a place like Chicago, Arizona, New England, where if you struggle, they're just going to run your name through the dirt? Right. You know what I mean? Like, it, it makes you think with this new NIL world we live in. Well, and I look at I look at the, the quarterbacks right now in the league, the young quarterbacks that we have. So we have as bad as probably the medium or median of quarterback play has been, there has been some good young guys that have come up fields. Although I don't think he's 11. I do think he is a a top 15 or so quarterback in this league. If you're Chicago, there's no way in my opinion, you draft quarterback. If you, you have to stay with fields. And I also don't think fields has the trade value that he had going into the season, or at least this past off season. I don't think you're getting the crazy haul because you're only getting him for a year. So it's more or less a rental unless he wants to sign with you long-term. And we haven't really seen quarterbacks at the end of their rookie deal get moved. That's kind of a a foreign move in this league. So yeah, I'm with you hundred percent. I think Chicago has got to stick with fields. I think you target Marvin Harrison, even with the number one pick you could maybe, and there's a chance that maybe you can move out of one again. I, who knows? The NFL draft has been so crazy the last few years as far as pick jumping in the first top five. Obviously, last year was nuts. So it's hard to say. Now, um, another thing to remember with Fields, he's never made it through a whole season. Right. He's never made it through a whole season. Let's make some money. DeVito for MVP. Oh, yes. I I love me some DeVito. Um, I have the over seven and a half wins. I need three more wins. I'm assuming he's talking from the Bears. That's going to be tough, dude. That's going to be tough because I think they lose to the Browns this weekend. I think they can beat the Cards. God only knows what's going to happen in the Packers game. And what was the other game you said? I'm spacing on. I'm sorry. The Falcons. I mean, Falcons. You can get two. You can convince me two, but I don't see him winning three. The best analogy that I got from the Falcons and Arthur Smith that I heard when I was talking to my buddy this weekend, it was it's like the middle aged lady at the blackjack table. You have no idea what she's going to do when she gets that 15. You have literally no idea what she's going to. And I think that analogy sums up Arthur Smith the best. You literally have literally have no clue what the heck they're going to do. Lions do need to. Lions are a sinking ship. Last last week, um, our guest Reed, who is. Oh, sorry. Two weeks ago, our guest Reed, who is a Packers fan, he gave out the Packers 16 to 1 to win the North. Yeah, I was looking at it. It was uh, it was fifteen to one over the weekend, but that loss last night for Green Bay, I think, that hurt. Fade. I don't. That. I don't expect a, a three game swing, which is what they would need. And I don't think Minnesota. I don't think Minnesota finishes this season above five hundred. So I think Detroit is probably. Actually, that was going to be one of my takeaways that I that I'm happy you brought it up. It's probably safe now in the NFC North if I had to. If I had to put my money on it, I'm sure the the odds have swung heavily in their favor. As a Lions fan that's used to losing, I need this. I need. I just need one playoff game, man. I just need one playoff game. Um, Dude, I grew up. I grew up in the UP of Michigan with Lions fans everywhere. That they, they. I grew up in the mid 2000s, early 2000s, uh, the Roy Williams era. The oh my god, uh, keep drafting receivers until it works, and then it worked, but then it didn't come together. But it's coming together now, and it's exciting. The Lions are the out of the teams, the NFC North, that I dislike. I dislike the Lions the least. Okay. All right. Uh, Takeaway two, what do you got, my friend? Yeah, so my takeaway is the AFC wildcard picture. It's an absolute mess. We are going to get some swill in the playoffs in the AFC. 
Right now, you've got Bills, Bengals, Broncos, Texans, Colts, and Steelers all at seven and six. Uh, you've also got KC is hanging around there. The Jags, the Browns, they're not safe at eight and five either. Personally, I think KC is going to end up getting that three. I think the Jags do fend off for the four. I like Cincinnati getting the five. I think Cincinnati, or sorry, I'm going to, I'm screwing that up because of a divisional winner, but I think Cincinnati is as live as it gets to win the AFC North right now. I think Jake Browning has the, he has the perfect amount of, I don't know everything yet. Because isn't that like, so when you get a new job, isn't the the analogy for that, like you start off doing great because you don't know what you don't know. Then you hit that slope because you think you know everything. And then you bounce back because you kind of figure it out and meet it out. He's on this upward trajectory, but it almost feels like it's not, he's almost skipped over that part. Sitting back behind Joe Cool and having these weapons around him, I'm super excited about what the Bengals are moving forward. I was completely on the wrong side of it last week, but just watching that game and the Bengals defense, the Bengals defense shut a team out in the second half last week. That doesn't yeah, happen. It's tough to do. The, the defense tough. is rounding itself out. So I, I'm just interested to see what your take is. I also think the Broncos are going to sneak in there and Cleveland sneaks in there as well. Um, but what is your thought on how the AFC wildcard picture ends up with the, with this little bit of a log jam we got? Well, first of all, I got down to the final 55 in Circus Survivor, and I had the Jags on Monday Night Football, and Trevor Lawrence went down, and I got knocked out. That's how I got eliminated. I was, I was so, so pissed. Like, and it was one of those things. I was texting um, a friend of the show, Dave Weaver, um, who works at FanDuel. Him and I were going back and forth. As soon as Lawrence went down, I was like, "Dude, no way, CJ Beathard's leading me this win." I'm out. Um, I think the thing you said about the Bengals and you kind of hit the nail on the head is when you have Mixon, when you have Higgins, and when you have Chase, you're going to be okay because you can lean on those guys. And for as much as shit as we give Zach Taylor, he he does pretty well. He puts people in a position, and that defense is starting to play better. Uh, I'm – I'm invested in the Broncos to make the playoffs, the over eight and a half wins. I think they're starting to lean on my boy Javante a little bit more. I think because of that, I think that's going to get them into the playoffs. They obviously have a big game against Detroit this week. Um, a team I'd like to make it, the Sports Facts is asking about the Texans. I just think, you know, Dell got hurt. Nico Collins got banged up. They just don't have the firepower. It was a good story. But yeah. now we're getting in crunch time. They just don't have the firepower. Um, but I think the team, I think the Browns will get in. I mean, I think the two teams that I, I like the most to make it are the Browns and the um, and the Broncos. But I, I could definitely see your argument about the Bengals just because of that defense, defensive coordinator who should be a head coach. Um, sure. For whatever reason, he's not getting any love as a head coach. You have Hendricks, who's electric, getting the quarterback. And you have Joe Mixon, who, for my mind, is one of the better running backs in the game. He doesn't get enough love. And you have Chase that can make any play. So, yeah, AFC is wide open. I think it's going to be electric to the finish. Um, yeah, it's going to be great. My next takeaway. Dan Campbell has become the stumbler, the stubborn gambler going for it all the time. So, last, last year, I'm a huge shot quality guy. Last year during the March Madness tournament, Kansas State, every single round was graded as the luckiest team that should have lost for like shot. And I just kept on pressing fading Kansas State. And I was like, and they made it all the way to the goddamn Elite Eight before they lost to Florida Atlantic. And I became the stubborn gambler. And I really think that's what Dan Campbell is right now. They were one in five last week versus the Bears on fourth down. That cost the Lions the game. He's being relentless in his decision-making and forcing it. Kind of like the gambler who presses a losing streak and keeps forcing it. Two-score game, and you're going for it with 13 minutes left on your own 34. Look, I know the Lions have a top-five offensive line when everyone's healthy. My boy Frank the Tank was out. Jonah Jackson was out, too. So that means your center and your starting left guard are out. The Bears are the best team against the run in terms of rushing yards allowed 
and you're trying to run the ball while you're missing two-fifths of your offensive line. I like being aggressive. I like trusting your players. But there's trust and there's being relentless. He's being relentless right now, and it's costing him his game. And it kind of reminds me way back when when Staley came up and he was going for it all the time, and then it stopped, and then he backed off of it, and then he became too conservative. It's almost like the opposite has happened with Dan Campbell. He just went, he's like, you know what? I'm going for it more. I'm just going to keep pressing, 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 pressing. And it's costing the Lions a game. And I really think they need to win this week. And I don't know if they can do it against the Broncos who are playing some great ball. Yeah, I mean, he's an emotional guy, right? That's that's kind of yep. what you get with Dan Campbell. You kind of knew that going in that he was a little bit of a loose cannon. But the... And I guess I don't know how successful he was right out of the bat going for it on fourth down last year. Obviously, the Lions won probably more games than people expected them to. And now, obviously, they've bounced into the number one team in the NFC North. But the emotional side of things, I think uh, we run into this in Green Bay with Matt LaFleur a lot. Matt LaFleur is also a very emotional coach. He's an emotionally charged guy, whereas... Uh, Brandon Staley's not emotional. Brandon Staley just listens to the noise and changes what he's doing. And now he's kind of a pussy. So it's, it's, it's kind of like you said, it's, it's reversed how Staley's worked where Dan Campbell is becoming that stubborn, stubborn gambler. And God, haven't we all found a team that we thought was, uh, was the right side and rode them the wrong way for weeks. My God, it was, that it was, was the Broncos I, for me. That was the Broncos for me at the beginning of the season. I, I, I kept saying, all right, well, they're, they, they gotta be better than this. Right. And they yeah. weren't, but now they are. It's just, it's just one of those things, man, the stubborn game. That's probably my best analogy I ever came up with. Um, mm-hmm. Now we have reached the part of the show. Sports facts chimes out. He will bite your kneecaps off. Bobby chimes in. Bobby is actually from Mount Pleasant, home of Matt LaFleur, Matt nice. the Pride of MP. Um, he was that he wasn't that hot when he was growing up, it looks like from the pictures. It looks like he's had a little bit of a, a rich glow up. So I'm sure he was a funny little short quarterback like I was in high school. Here's the thing: like if you see a picture of him and his brother, mm-hmm. his brother has like 30-year-old balding. Oh, yeah. He's got and he's got that male pattern baldness <laughs> and He's a guy that we were talking about coaches earlier. I've heard that he may luck into a gig if things shake out perfectly, which would be insane. Because uh, I think he's how been that? with LA for a year as the, uh, but whatever, we'll see. I but no, it's funny that we talk about Lafleur. <laughs> oh God, I I have but, a lot of mixed feelings about my coach. I'll just put it that way. I mean, the thing is, is it's like. It, you, you said he's, he, he could luck his way into a job. Um, it's almost like you just stand around Sean McVay and everyone thinks you're an offensive genius <laughs> and they just kind of give you a it's, job. Uh, dude, the Shanahan effect. He was, the Shanahan effect is alive Lef- now with McVay. LaFleur was awful when he, yeah. was with, with, when he was with the Jets. He was, he was ba- better than Nathaniel Hackett. I'll give him that. But Ooh, big bar. <laughs> he, he was awful though and now you're gonna get a job just just insane to me um well, dude when matt lafleur got his job what did we look at immediately oh how was the tennessee titans offense the year prior brutal that was, brutal. was like uh okay good looking young guy must be decent but then he won 13 games three years in a row worked out but i mean those it the stat that sticks out to me with lafleur is when Rodgers was there. Rodgers led the league in audibles by a substantial oh, sure. amount. Oh, yeah. He, he every, called the offense. Yep. Every single year. So And now Matt's addicted to end arounds to Jaden Reed. So, Oh, my God. Michigan State's fine. I'm a Michigan State boy, man. I, Dude, I, I was so excited when we got him. I'm very excited that he's this good. But if we mismanage him to the point where we give him too many carries where he gets hurt, I will show up to Lombardi Avenue with a picket fence, with a white picket fence. And let me ask you this, because we talked about this a couple weeks ago um, with A.J. Dillon. Has there been one guy in a contract year presented with a better opportunity to make more money for himself and to F it up more? 
<laughs> the mayor of uh, of Door County? No, we're we're not big fans of him up here. It's okay. been it's it, it's been a so there there are two thoughts. There is the folks that follow him on social media, him and his wife, because his wife his wife's dad is like a apartment mogul up here, owns like all the apartment complexes. They've got the big house on the lake. So he's like royalty. He's plugged in with all the people up here. So there's those people that like him. True fans do not care for him one bit and are so pissed off that we've stuck with him and are giving him all the carries, but we don't have a backup plan. Like we haven't, we haven't stuck with anybody as a backup plan. We got Patrick Taylor out there who refuses to go out of bounds when he needs to stop the clock two weeks in a row going into halftime. But, uh, but yeah, no, we're not, we're not big AJ Dillon fans up here. I don't, you said the chance to make a lot of money, dude, he could have taken Aaron Jones' job. Yeah. He could have completely taken his job and then they signed Aaron Jones. I mean, he, he was there, he was drafted in a perfect spot right after Jones was kind of starting to come onto the scene. It's like, all right, man, we know how running backs work. You got a three-year expiration date, especially in green Bay. And then they kind of move on. Well, he let Jones hang around long enough. Um, and why don't we like him? Lack of production. And all they talk about is his quads. It's like, dude, it's just a gimmick. It's it's a very gimmicky run, running back to have. And it's it's a guy that could be easy to root for if he was good, but he's not. Yeah, that's a good point. I never thought about that a couple of years ago when they drafted him and he could have took it over. Um, yeah, it was all set up for him. Um, Now we've reached the part of the show where we're talking bets. Okay, you're the guest. Why don't you kick us off? What is your first bet? Yeah, we talked about them. Uh, you've got a future on them. I like the Broncos catching five in Detroit this weekend. This is an awesome Saturday night matchup. We're going to get this one at, I think, 730 uh, on the East Coast, I think a little bit earlier, uh, Central Time. Detroit's banged up, man. They got nine guys in the IR right now. We talked Dan Campbell already. I don't know if he's the guy. It's been since Halloween weekend since Detroit has beat a team by more than five points. They're just not clicking, and Denver is right now. It's a lot of points. Denver has won six of seven. They've covered five. Just a big number. And I, I kind of talked about it earlier. The Chiefs should be super, super afraid of Denver coming down the stretch here. Denver's legit. Denver is really, really good. Um, and and we, we had to have seen this coming, man. This is Sean Payton. I mean, he's he's an elite coach. And it kind of makes you think if only they would have fired Staley, he would be doing this with the Chargers. Um, right. Let's make some money chimes in. Have you seen Fournette squats? Yes, I saw the picture a couple yeah. weeks ago. Those are some big quads. Um, no McNeil. And the Lions' defense is brutal without him. Yeah, McNeil was that guy on the defensive line. They paired mm -hmm. with Hutchinson. Uh, I agree with you 100%. I definitely like the Broncos on this side. Detroit, I think I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. I'm going to obviously play via the Lions. And my thing with the Lions is this. This is always going to be the year that could have been. For the life of me, I don't understand why you didn't draft Jalen Carter. Could you imagine Jalen Carter – and Aiden Hutchinson right next to each other, causing havoc. And then you keep DeAndre Swift, because I think him and Jameer Gibbs are basically the same player. Sure. Um, I just, I don't know. I kind of feel they had a chance to do something special, and they kind of just effed up the draft by taking, they took the Iowa linebacker Campbell, who's not really not even on the field. Laporte has been great. Gibbs, yeah. I think running backs are a dime a dozen. Um, I don't know. I think they kind of, I think they kind of messed it up. I think they should, could have drafted Carter and it could have been what it, what could have been. Um, right. My first bet going to Buffalo. Give, give me the bills. I got it at one and a half. I'm looking right now on bet stamp best numbers too. So you can get the two. I also like the rookie host. I am. I made these banners and messed them up. Um, Josh Allen as a three point favorite or less is 62% ATS. He is a monster in the favorite the second half of the season, covering at a 67 67% clip as a favorite, 65% clip second half of the season in general. Selling point in the Cowboys is they're coming off a win over the Eagles in prime time. This is when they're going to be at their market high. 
Prescott as a road dog getting three points or less is only 25% against the number. I think the Bills will be able to have success throwing the ball. James Cook has been featured in the passing game ever since Brady has taken over as the OC and RBs in the passing game have had success against the Cowboys. Plus, I think Miller and Oliver will have success getting to Prescott, who struggles with pressure in his face. So I think Prescott's going to struggle. Also, QBs, you look at QBs rushing yards against the Cowboys, they're able to put up big numbers. So I really think Allen's going to be able to move the ball with his legs. Also, all these all these sites bring out luck metrics. Bills are one of the most unluckiest teams in the league. I know people can argue that they got lucky against the Chiefs. But when you look at their point differential and their win-loss record, they should be better than they are. I think they're due for some positive regression. I'll take the Bills, and I'm going to say this. I was looking at the MVP odds. If the Bills make the playoffs, I think that puts Josh Allen in the conversation. I'll do you one better. I think this team can win the AFC East. Oh, see, right now I have them at the Super Bowl at 50 to 1. I have them make the playoffs at plus 350. That's got to be one of the best Super Bowl prices that was ever available on them. Oh, dude, that was last week. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That was last week. And then um, I added Allen to win MVP at 20 to 1. Nice. And I got, what was the other one I got? I got him to come out of the AFC at like 22, 25 to 1. I'll have to look at at DraftKings. But I just kind of feel like right now, this is a team. What's their price to win the East? Uh, let's take a peek here. Got this up right here. I'm just actually, I was looking at their schedule because there's a, I mean, week 18 at Miami. There's, whew, that could be, and they already beat the Dolphins once. So that could be a very, I mean, they need the Dolphins to slip up and they got the Chargers and the Patriots. Oh, hold on. AFC East. There they are. Nine to one. That's doable. That's doable. Oh, that's definitely doable. Oh, wait, no, 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 no. Sorry, that's not live. Uh, three to one is live. Three to one is live. Oh, that's a little too short for me. That's a little too short. Yeah, Dolphins minus 400. So Vegas, Vegas agrees. Uh, Bills are, they're getting hot at the right time. I, I agree with you. I think Dallas, you sell them as high as you can possibly sell them after last week. Uh, I was on the right side of the Cowboys. It was like the only thing I was on the right side of what felt like on Sunday. Uh, um, yeah, I agree. Okay. You're going to our boy, the veto. Tell me what, tell me why you like yeah. our boy, the veto. I, uh, we talking about selling high. I'm selling high on new Orleans, new Orleans kicked Carolina's ass last week. Did it in very unimpressive fashion. I, I don't think, very highly of the Saints. This is way too many points for the team that is the worst against the spread in football, tied with Carolina, 3-9-1. New Orleans also 1-5 against the spread at home. They have not shown that they can get to the number. New York's got a little bit of magic going with DeVito, our boy DeVito. Uh, He kicked my ass last night. That was unfortunate. Uh, But Saquon's the key this week. This is the 27th ranked rushing defense. They have allowed north of 130 yards per game this year. I think they are going to have great balance. Staying within six is not going to be difficult. Um, Dennis Allen, since 2005, then this blew my mind when I looked at this. He is the sixth least profitable coach against the spread as a favor. Since 2005. How old were you in 2005, dude? 2005, I moved actually from the UP down to West Bend. I was in fifth grade. So call me 10 years old. I mean, think about that. <laughs> like, think about that. Since you were 10 years old, really. Dennis yeah. Allen has been the least profitable coach in the NFL. That's mind boggling. Yeah, I mean, he's, dude, the Saints aren't good. I have, uh, the only thing I have for the Saints, I've got Chris Olave. Uh, I got a couple hundred bucks on him to have over five and a half touchdowns, which is now live after one last week. But, uh, but yeah, I think selling high on the Saints is a good spot at plus six. I don't know if the Giants get it done. Uh, my co-host Joey on my podcast is a Giants fan. He doesn't think they're going to get it done either. So I kind of go off, you know, how confident is he after watching last night? And he's not confident for them to win. 
I don't think I'm going to win, but I think six is way too many. Okay, and I've heard Eric rip Young. What do you think of him? Uh, wait, Young? As in? I'm assuming. I rip Bryce Young every week. Like oh, that's Bryce like, Young? That's, oh, dude. That's, that's the thing. I like every week. Another, I'm another another team where I was a stubborn gambler on. I thought they were going to be worth a shit. They never were. And he is not in a good situation. Anytime that you're a rookie quarterback and your coach gets fired midseason and your whole coaching staff gets canned, uh, you're going to be behind the eight ball a little bit. I fear that he might have a little bit of a Justin Fields arc sitting in Carolina, it's it's not good. It doesn't look good for Carolina. I don't know where the hell they go from here. If they don't have their own number one pick, that's brutal. Uh, yeah, I, I, I personally am not a huge fan of Bryce Young. I think he's super inaccurate, and you can't teach accuracy. When Wade from Wade Betts was on a couple weeks ago, um, him and I listed off the mo- coach coaching vacancies. Mm-hmm. And... Carolina is going to be the least popular one. Yeah, because their owner is a psychopath. And you have no pick. You're going to be working for an owner, like you said, who belongs in the nut house. You got to take this quarterback that you didn't choose. Yeah. And I you, just, have to, you have to let him ride for at least two years before you do anything. Yeah, it's a team. You, Bryce Young was so set up to fail. The, what they spent to get him just never added up. And I thought he was a fine player in college, but he was always this small, small quarterbacks. Yeah. You know, the Brock Purdy's of the world are finding their, their stride. Brock Purdy's not this small. He's really small. He's like Kyler small and he's skinny and he doesn't like to run. He doesn't like to get hit. He's yeah. I I don't like, I don't like what's going on in Carolina and especially not for him. He's not as fast as Kyler. Yeah. Close. Yeah. Kyler's fast, quick. This dude is, He's methodically fast. Like I think when you get out into the open field, he could he could probably separate a little bit. But no, there's no. I I really struggle finding any positives in Bryce Young's game at this point. Yeah, I think he's too small. He has happy feet. He had Mingo wide the f open. Oh, and it overthrew him. Good those happy mm-hmm. feet. Absolutely sucked. Yeah. Um, I my next bet. Going back to my roots. Mm. Give me the Steelers plus three. Tomlin as a dog since 2005, an insane 65% ATS. As a road dog, 61% ATS. Coming off a loss, which they did last week, 63% ATS. Minshew as a favorite is only 40% ATS. I know Trubisky is the starter, but the Colts defense is bad on the back four, especially the left side of the field where Jones and Thomas line up. This has been something we've been targeting in DFS, and I think Trubisky is going to be able to target them, take advantage with Johnson or Pickens, whoever lines up over there. Plus, Colts can be run on. They are 26 DVOA against the run. I think this will be a bounce-back spot for the Steelers' offense with the extended rest. I know Watt and Highsmith are in the concussion protocol, but, I mean, it's a 10-11 day rest with the Thursday night game, I think they're going to be able to play. And we've seen Minshew struggle when he faces pressure. Minshew also tends to lean on Michael Pittman a lot, but the Steelers are eighth DVOA defending the pass. Also Porter, he's slowly starting to morph into this lockdown DB. I think they're going to use him to shadow Pittman. You take Pittman away, you force Josh Downs and Cruz to beat you. I think this is just a good matchup. I'll take the Steelers in the bounce back at plus three, anything over two, even if it gets a two and a half, I like it. Give me, give me the fighting Mike Tomlins. Yeah, man. I, Tomlin probably, and I don't know if he feels it or not coaching for his job. I think uh, hard to say, I guess he's kind of a legend there, but yeah, you, you, you kind of covered everything I feel good about when I look at the Steelers. Indy, I, I had Indy team total last week, and I mentioned earlier that Cincinnati held a team in the second half to no points. Well, that was the Indianapolis Colts, and I was holding in Colts over 20-and-a-half team total ticket. Ooh. That was brutal, man. But they scored oh. all their points in three minutes. It, it, was a weird, it was a weird game. Gardner Minshew is a walking turnover. That guy, the magic has kind of worn off in that whole deal. I think we're actually getting the, the Minshew magic now with Jake Browning. 
and with some yeah. of the other guys. There's other guys that are doing much, much better. But, uh, but yeah, everything you said, Pittsburgh, and with the concussion thing, I, I don't know if you realize this, but guys are coming back from concussions relatively quick these days. I think the whole craze of keeping guys out for a long period of time, uh, whether, you know, information technology has gotten better, whatever it is. Uh, yeah, there's no way that I see Watt and Highsmith out, especially in what is more or less a playoff game. Everything going forward for the Steelers is a playoff game. Same thing for Indy. These are two teams yeah. that I mentioned that are fighting in that seven and six record right now. But uh, if I had to lean one way, I'd take Pittsburgh. I'd probably play it on the money line and pay up for it a little bit. But uh, but I'm with you. Tomlin is a dog. Rinse and repeat. Cool Kev chimes in. Pittman is a fan. Pittman has been a great. If you if you drafted Pittman in the fourth or fifth round, you are in a money position, and you probably made your playoffs. Cool Kev can't trust Trubisky and racist Rudolph. <laughs> oh, um, uh, <laughs> okay, my man. What is your next bet, my friend? What are we closing yeah, out? Closing it out with the same way I started it. Uh, talking Rams. Rams land six and a half against the commies. Dude, Washington has given up. This is an organization that they told everybody when they traded both of their edge rushers that they aren't looking to win football games. Uh, they have allowed 34 points per game in their last six with back-to-back 45 pointers. Fully committed to the tank. You actually almost kind of have to appreciate it. They have not covered it over a month. LA's covered three straight. I talked a lot about them earlier in the show, so I won't go too into it. But I look at LA as a team that has something to play for. Washington has absolutely no reason to win this game. Washington, Washington could mess around and find themselves in the in a top three pick discussion here as we kind of move along, just with the, how the other teams are playing. So, yeah, I like I like the Rams laying anything under seven. You get it at seven, okay. Outside of seven, I start not to like it as much. Just listen to these scores. 45 to 15. 45 to 10. 31 to 19. I mean, they that's the definition of just getting boat raced. I mean, just. this team, like you said, completely waving the white white flag. Oh, Ron yeah. Rivera, you know, great guy, came back from cancer sure. and everything, but bad football coach. Bad football coach. Yeah. Separate, the art. Separate yeah. the art from the artist. He's a bad football coach. And they have new ownership there. They're going to totally yeah. want to reset oh, the board. This is, this the is enemies, a reset. The enemy is going to be out. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I I like the Rams here. Seven would be my buying point. Any, if it gets higher than seven, I agree with you. I would totally, totally get off of it. Also, um, I would look to play Cup over 100 yards receiving. Puka over 100 yards receiving. You can get those probably juiced up two or three to one or higher just because. I like Stafford's over every passing. This, this They're not going to, I, and I would be careful, I think, especially as they get down to stretch, the Rams aren't used to having kind of a, a go-to running back. Obviously, they had Cam Akers a few years ago. Uh, but right now, I would get a little leery on Kyron Williams. I think if they, especially in a game like this, if they're up big at half, I wouldn't expect to see him almost at all. I don't know why you put any any mileage on those tires that you don't need because this is the time of year. Uh, and they kind of we rattled off their schedule. They are very, very live to be in six or seven. He already missed four games. He was already on IR yeah. the offense. He already was there. There's no reason they're going to push him. I think you're right. I think both receivers have a huge game. Uh, yeah, it's uh, a yeah, very nice guy. Tough situation. <laughs> I mean, that basically subs it up right there. Um, my That's what last when you jump into bed with Magic Johnson, I guess. <laughs> my last and final bet is I'm going to Thursday night. Um, I am taking the Raiders minus three. Chargers Ooh. are supposed to be this defensive monster this year with the players they have. Let's look at their DVOA rankings. 27th total DVOA. 25th against the pass. 22nd against the rush. They are 29th defending opponents wide receiver ones. Adams has been a monster against the Staley's defense. Listen to this. This, this is per game. 14 targets, 9 catches, 131 yards. 
Asante Samuel Jr. usually doesn't shadow coverage. That means the Raiders, hopefully, because they're going to be smart, will have a matched up against Michael Davis, who is PFF graded 85. Also, here's an interesting trend that I found. Teams that were shut out the week before, the next week are 70% against the number. On this show every week, we talk about buying low, selling high. We're buying the Raiders after being shut out. Obviously, they had that trip down to the red zone. If Hunter Renfro didn't fumble, they probably would have scored. I think they would have won the game then. We have Easton Stick making his first start on the road on a short week against Max Crosby. Let's just not outthink the room here with that saying, with what I said. Favorites on Thursday Night Football are 55% against the spread. Divisional favorites on Thursday Night Football are 55, 55% against the spread. Also, I mentioned I have birdies, one of the birdies, and this is the birdie that told me about the Rams trick play in the Super Bowl. that They're working on their own little Philly special, told me a lot of the people in that room for the Chargers are, are gone. They're mentally checked oh, out. They're one, they're they're one foot out the door. They're, yep. looking, at, they're looking at the job, the job ads and where they're going to be coaching college football next. So I, I like the Raiders here at minus three. Cool, Kev. Let's go Raiders. But we lost to any quarterback that walked off the street. LO. I hope we can win. Diesel. Oh, cool, Kev. I love you, my friend. I love you. I love you, my friend. Um, okay. I'd like to thank you for coming on, talking a little shop. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on social media and when your podcast comes out? Yeah, for sure. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, at underscore O'Kane, O-K-A-N-E, underscore, underscore. Um, we've also got Instagram, uh, but then our podcast is every Thursday, Lock Talk. We post that on, again, on X. We've got it on Spotify, and then we've also got it on Amazon Podcasts, which has been actually pretty smooth and a nice little still there so yeah me and my boy joey doing that every week just talking football same thing we're doing here so i've listened to it a couple times it's a great listen guys make sure to check that out we'll be back here next week with scott shapiro from he is the track announcer at churchill down so make sure to check that out really? make sure to give my boy okay and a follow okay and appreciate you my man and i look forward to talking to you soon my friend likewise appreciate you having me on Oh,